Hello and welcome to Digital Talk Podcast, the podcast where we share stories with the wider community of how digital technology and telecoms can do good. Join me, Ian Ginn. And me, Frankie Spagnolo, on our discovery series as we talk to our guests and find out about themselves, what motivates them, and help celebrate their projects and achievements. On today's episode, you'll be getting to know a bit more about my co-host, Frankie Spagnolo. This is part one of a two-part podcast, so make sure you also tune into part two find out a little bit more about Frankie, including whether she fancies a one-way ticket to Mars. I thought it would be a great idea, and we both had this discussion, about the audience that we've got out there. They should know more about us. These are also the questions we intend to pose to our future guests. So good way of trying it out, but I think it's uh, give the audience something of interest. So I'm Taking this interview, I'm going to be the interviewer, and you're the interviewee. So we're hopefully going to learn a lot more about you in the next period of time uh, with these questions and, and see what you come up with. So do you have a philosophy for your life, and what is that philosophy? So the simple answer to that first part is yes, I do. It drives every... Thing that I do and it you know is foundational to all of my decision making and it was like that before I could even communicate that it was a personal life philosophy right because that takes a level of awareness but like the reason that I want to do this show is you know I have always been very purpose driven and so second part of that question what is it Um, It's really three parts. The first is to be brave. Well, I'll tell you it all together. It's be brave, be brilliant, be bold. Oh, so three Bs. Right. (laughs) I'm I'm all about alliterations. It has to do with my... my neurodiversity and the ADHD. You said you knew, sorry, you said you knew this before you could articulate it. Certainly. And certainly before I could articulate it as like a catchphrase, like I just articulated it. Right. Right. (laughs) Um, But, you know, that is sort of the growth of the last 20 years of my career, which is extremely diverse. And if I take the first part of my life, which is very different than the second half and my time in mobile and technology, what and for myself, in looking at this, the question became, what are the through lines? Like, what is happening that is creating this trajectory, right. right? And the first is, you know, to be brave. And that was to say yes, which is something that I do, you know. And my dad even taught growing up, you know, that we could do things. And we grew up on a farm, so things like being afraid of bugs or coming in, you know, like fear of things was something I had addressed in my life. And I felt, especially early, very confident. So saying yes, be brave, say yes, do it, try it. Be brilliant. 
don't just say yes to anything. Think about it first, right? right? right. <laughs> don't just jump off a cliff because somebody asked you to right. jump off a cliff, right. right? And that brilliance is more, it has to be more than just your opinion, right? With, you know, you have to get, and I was always a reader and always very curious. So this is also about the curiosity of things and understanding what you're doing before you do it and why you're doing it. And then the third is to be bold. And then this was really because I didn't always fit in and I had to get comfortable with standing out and taking power of that meant being comfortable with being bold and my the boldness even of my presence, even if I don't want to necessarily take up that space in whatever way, energetically, intelligently, um, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. So yes, I do. And those run along sort of the themes It has come out in my life of really like culture, the performing arts, fashion, my first part of my life, you know, the theater arts, connectivity, right? This second part of the last like 15, 17 years of my life in my career. And then the third theme, which is really just care, things that I cared about, things Mm -hmm. that were good for the planet, things that were underdog scenarios where I could use this innate boldness to, you know, propel something that needed to be propelled. Um, You know, so Mm -hmm. care. So, Yes. And because of my ADHD, I can very easily say it, you know, to be okay. brave, to be brilliant, to be bold. Fantastic. Well, that's, that's I think, really good uh, philosophy of life to have. Uh, it sounds, as I say, as you see, you try and live by it and that's that's all you can do. And yeah. uh, it's, it's held you in good stead, I think. Thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah, well, don't get me wrong. It's like I said to you the other day, when you really try to live your life by a purpose, you have to let go of your relationship with money and seeing money as a real part of your success because you end up doing a lot of like ambassadorships and work with nonprofits and that kind of stuff. That's a Um, a theme as well, right, within your life. (laughs) (laughs) Certainly. (laughs) Who is an important doing good and driving change leader for you personally? And what inspires you about them? I think the answer for me, really, and this just keeps coming to mind as I've thought about this, is Nelson Mandela. I feel I lived in South Africa. It's where I made the shift in my life between the first part and where I was immersed in the, you know, the creative arts and that cultural side into connectivity. My time in Africa was that transition moment for me and led me to a next path. So it was really important for me. And I was there the year the apartheid ended and the year that they were doing their first democratic elections in however many years. And the And so the, you know, just having experienced that and really seeing 
which was also my first time living in a an emerging country or developing mm-hmm. country. And it was also the first time I, we, we had mobile phones, right? But like, I had didn't know your customer wasn't a thing, right? Like I couldn't get an account <laughs> when I was so, living in Africa. So you were out there, sorry, you were out there as he came out of jail type of stuff. Just, it was that period? Right, exactly. Well, he had been out of jail. I, I would have to look that right. up. But it was in that transition, transition period on his yeah. end. And, you know, I just... Yeah, so for me, that's right and, and now. What about, he was yeah, what was it about him that you you inspired you? I, you know, there was always a, you know, like a connected to the earth kind of feeling from him. I don't know how yeah. to say it. You know, like it just, you could you could see that everything that he, it, and everything he said was bigger than even just his or the South yeah, African yeah. fight yeah. at the time, yeah. right? I think that the fight that he endured and what happened there, you know, made political shifts in a lot of places right. and in a lot of people's minds. And that kind of shift around shifts like that around racism and equality, you know, they are entrenched in us and very challenging yeah. to get over, right? So I think he's an incredible. He's, he's one of one of he, you know. This question will come to me as well, and I I would agree with you really. Uh, there's a program recently which I- said. Um, you know, thinking of being in prison for so long, right, uh, unjustly and still coming out and forgiving the people. I mean, it's sort of su- superhuman on the one side. Another comment which I yeah. would like to just throw in here as being British, uh, the other comment they made was, it's the only, he is the only person, the Queen, so the Queen has visited lots of heads of state, but it's the only one our Queen who, you know, has, has passed on now, mentioned, yeah. you know, and made a comment about ever. She always avoided doing it, but he's the one person that also stood out in her mind worth giving the credit and saying that he was, say, superhuman in the sense of uh, just above humanity and and leaving it from the front. So I think that's a very good one. Imagine you're stranded on a deserted island with access to only one piece of modern technology. What would you choose and why? So obviously, we came up with these questions, and I've thought about these answers, but our guests will have a chance to have the questions and think about their answers as well. And so my answer to this is very strategic, which is like most things that I do. You know, I would bring my hunting knife with the serrated edge and the flint in the handle. It also has, I would hope, um, that I ended up there it also has like a compass on it and how long that would keep working and whatever, you know, or if it got broken, but all these contexts come into play, but that's what I would hope for. Although, what are you going to do with this knife? I haven't quite understood. What's the purpose of it? Are you, are you hunting? I mean, this Island, how, you know, do you think there's anything living on it? Well, I think you can cut things down, whatever kind of life there is, plant or animal. You have the opportunity to utilize it or to defend yourself from it. So some plants can be really 
aggressive. They and you know, and you could need to cut a path through something somehow. I don't know, but I think to be able to both utilize and defend, and then of course the flint for fire, because then so long as there's a water source, I can hopefully have water. And so, would you yeah. spend the first day on the beach type of thing? I'm just thinking there's a beach this, by the way, um, or would you be immediately yeah. going? Oh my god. I need to build a shelter. I need to be active. I need to, I need to, to, to survive type of thing. What would your... I would immediately build a shelter because you have to sleep that first night and you don't know what animals or life is there. So you have to prepare immediately for your first night. And I would stay on the beach. I wouldn't move anywhere. I would, from where I was, if it's a beach or whatever, I would, within walking distance you what i could and then and i probably would stay there if i really was stranded until i had gotten the lay of things because like this piece of technology my my swiss army knife hunting knife <laughs> i would be and very the way you brought up it sounds like you could handle yourself as well right that's my impression yes although um being stranded with myself alone on a desert island would be the challenge <laughs> might be the challenge as well okay uh the jungle or whatever i could probably deal with and like make fires and stuff tell me a bit more about your background uh, educational background in particular what makes you such a bright spark and knowledgeable person my undergrad is in musical theater and instrumental music and i have a master's in physical theater um i went to school out in california and physical theater is like Carol Burnett and Jim Carrey, Ted Lasso for, you know, that kind of physicality in your body. Um, yeah, so that's what I went to school oh, for. Okay. Since I was very and young. Do you use any of it now in your in your current life? Well, I think the I think I do in lots of ways, right? The way I present myself, my ability to influence when I'm speaking to large audiences and be able to do that persuasively to also be able to listen it has also you know like and not say no because in acting you know you want to be saying yes to the people you're on stage with and so that goes back again looking through my life at that first sort of silo of my philosophy and saying yes so listening is is an important skill that i learned in that both in my time as a musician because i'm a violinist and so within the orchestra you have to listen all around you i call it orchestra hearing yes, right and you know as an actor so yeah it's really helped me in different ways certainly i am not a network engineer which had i uh, known what i was gonna really do i might have done differently because i love to learn and i i would have probably been good at it and i would like to know how to actually make the things right. now and i don't but I loved what I did. Fantastic. Yeah. Great, great, uh, great uh, background to have. What's a hobby or activity that you're passionate about that might surprise our listeners? I think that's a good question. I would have to say produce, fresh um, farming. <laughs> um, I grew up on a farm in the last 10 years. My farm has gotten into a 
you know, joint venture with the Amish who have moved into the area around my family's farm. And what I have learned about local produce and the reality of our food distribution channel and how far things have to go when you think about world hunger as like one of the foundational problems in the world, you know, and it's, I really, I really enjoy it. I love being on the farm. (laughs) You know, I love, uh, as much as I love the bustle of big cities and don't get me wrong, I couldn't live without them. (laughs) But when I'm at the farm, it's really lovely to be there. Can you share with us what sort of produce you're producing? I know you said, I'm just like, I don't know what sort of that part of the US, what, what sort of grows there in that part? Yeah. So in Kentucky, well, in the way that it works, it's kind of co-op-y. Like each farm does a vegetable or, you know, two in large quantities. It's not like everybody is growing Mm -hmm. everything. And so my father specializes in tomatoes, specifically heirloom tomatoes and an heirloom varietal of garlic that my grandfather actually brought over from this is the Italian this is the Italian background the Italian background of me so but I mean I thought I'm not a great farmer myself but crop rotation do you you follow those principles like that was invented in the industrial sorry in the agricultural revolution where they had this idea of for rotating i presume you're doing that right well that's the cool thing about garlic garlic is a winter crop so we grow all year long we do tomatoes in the summer season and garlic oh, in so the winter you, season you do very good Clever stuff yeah good so what do you do to relax when you're not working i can binge watch some some silly tv like ridiculousness or you know the simpsons <laughs> so these series all this sort of stuff can you go through a whole series type of thing half a day a day is i mean that's i do hear of these stories so like every year when i come home from mobile world congress i definitely can spend like three days like laying in bed <laughs> watching yeah just like get up, you know, move around and go back to the bed. But Mobile World Congress wears me out. But yes, I, you know, when I really need to relax, and I also love to garden. Okay, good. Yeah, I understand. I mean, to me, I, I come, I, I say a, Mo, a Mobile World Congress, is, I feel scrambled. My my head scrambled needs to sort of re, re, re-find itself after the MWC. And it, it normally takes about a week for me to... To, to get back to what I call normality, but yeah, it is it is uh, it is a, a big event, and there's a lot lot happening. Because I think you know what you'd maybe previously do in in several weeks or a month of of or even longer of, of work, you're actually condensing into five days, and the interaction with different people who you know and whatever just just it takes it out of you. It's as simple as that. Yeah, I mean, the reality of the extended hours to be up and ready and at the show floor for a full day. And then, and while it lends to the magic of the moment, you know, you got to navigate Barcelona. There's lots of people. Now you have the impacts of 
what did I touch and have I sanitized my hands, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, which is every day, but I'm just saying it exists cool. as well. And yeah, I use that, I use that point to, to download. Okay, no, I understand. I think it's a good uh, thing. So when you were a teenager, what d- did you want to be? A movie star and a Broadway, okay. you know, triple threat. Okay, okay. Well, in a way, you, you you know, followed that on, didn't you? You went to art school, as you say, and you did follow that to some degree. Yeah, certainly. I mean, I have been playing violin since I was two and dancing since just a few years after that and went to, yes, I did. But, you know, there's a long way between going to art school and succeeding in that. So, world. were you ever on the on the big screen? Is there some films that we should be going to the archives to see where you were? Yes, but I'm not going to give names. And thankfully, I'm old enough to be of the era where, unless you have a VHS in your okay. house and know my mother, right. <laughs> you probably won't find okay, them. Okay, I understand. I understand. If you could instantly master any skill without the need for practice what skill would you choose and how would you use it okay so i really kind of have two answers to Mm. this one is the practical answer and the other is like when i think when i release the question of any boundaries so the first is i would want to speak the top five languages in the world fluently. If I could master them instantly, that's what I would, you know, in a practical contextual sense in the real world today, if that could happen, that's what I I would, that that. would be my choice. That's a a very clever, that's (laughs) a cool one, yeah. If I were to remove the contextual boundaries, I would become an extremely powerful witch and use my powers for good. Fantastic. Nice answer. (laughs) Can you share a Eureka light bulb moment from your life that wasn't related to your work or career? You know, this one is hard because most of these moments for me, because I was always a planner, and what I wanted, like being a movie star or like being a doctor or anything that you have to study your whole life, you know, it takes having a plan. So most of those moments in my life are related to something sad, death, trauma. Okay. And, you know, I find that, you know, it, those moments, you know, grief and mental health and, you know, these things, you know, they provide us a chance to really look at ourselves and to become aware of ourselves and to re-ask ourselves what we want and what are we doing. And I think that's really important to do throughout your life, you know, because we do, we are impacted by the context and our experiences and the years as they go by, right? And so, yes, is the answer to the question. And I will spare you guys the um, specific sadness and context of the details. Certain things, certain things are best uh, not necessarily broadcast. And and as you say, it's not because they don't should they're not worthy of being broadcast. It's just like yeah, it takes you maybe back to places you don't want to be. But thank you for your answer. Appreciate it. (laughs) 
Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to our new podcast. If you have any feedback from today's episode or know of any stories to be told involving digital technology in telecoms doing good, then please do let us know via email. Feedback at digitaltalk.com. Also feel free to send us a message on LinkedIn. It would be great to hear from you. Before we go, if you've enjoyed today's episode and would like to support the podcast, then don't forget to give us a follow and hit the notification bell so you never miss an episode. Also, if you'd like to leave us a review or share it with your colleagues, it really helps us on the channel. This is part one of a two-part podcast, so make sure you also tune into part two find out a little bit more about Frankie, including whether she fancies a one-way ticket to Mars. Thanks so much for being a part of our audience today, and hopefully you'll join us next time. So it's goodbye from me. And that's goodbye from him. Bye Bye for for now. now.